are now listening to United 96 Podcast on the RFK Refugees Podcast Network. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to United 96 here on the RFK Refugees Podcast Network, special late edition of the RFK Refugees. Literally. Ted and John here talking uh, DC United, a, a, a wild, wild and... Uh, Slightly eventful week, I guess, for DC United. We'll, we'll maybe get into it. Um, there's maybe some missed opportunities, but some some positive things to look forward to as we as we head down the stretch of the final season. I, I just had a chance to look at the schedule. The season's almost over. We got uh, four games left. Three games, yeah, four games left. So coming coming up, we're coming up right to the end. John, how you doing, my friend? How how has been your your last weekend and your uh, week? It's been a whirlwind, man. I've been traveling. I've been all over the place. I'm about to go on vacation, though, uh, starting tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. And I don't remember the last time I've had a real vacation, so <laughs> I am going to be wiling out. I will be out of pocket. Uh, are there? There's a game this weekend, right? Yes, there is. In, in months. I won't watch it. <laughs> I'll have no idea. If it even happens, I won't have watched it. Well, I'm going... Fully off the grid, but it might not even happen. So we'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, it might not even happen. We'll 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 get into that. We'll get into that action. But uh, but yeah, but it it's been a it's it's let's just jump right into it. Um, I've got uh, we got soccer that we got soccer to talk about, and so DC United we came into this week uh talking about the importance of this final must win, must win, must win final. all these games, must win. Well, uh, apparently, uh, I think there's a big question as to does anybody in the Eastern Conference want to make the playoffs because DC United sit right exactly where they are in the ninth place. Now, they do not control their own destiny. There are teams that could go out and win. But I think if what we, if, if there's been any indication of what we've seen so far from other teams is that no one apparently appears to be interested in actually grabbing and uh, grabbing that last playoff spot. I think it's personally, I, th- I, mean, I mean, pretty much it's coming down to Two slots, uh, eighth and ninth, are basically the only ones really in play as far as the as far as maybe there's going to be some movement, and I think it's going to come down to whichever team can put together the best results. Now we'll say I think past couple of games, I think DC United probably one of the better teams to get those results, and we'll get into that a little bit. Um, I think they've been one of the most cohesive teams as far as defensive organization. Um, and also putting together, definitely on that side of the ball. Yeah, and definitely. But they've also been putting together some chances as well. Um, and they just have not been able to finish or put games away. But I think it is it is an indication, I think, based on the other teams that have been pretty good. So uh, we won't touch, I guess, too much on the nil nil draw between D.C. and Charlotte. It really there was maybe a couple of events to talk about a potential penalty call on uh on Donovan Pines and an even more incredible save from Alex Bono, who has, uh, I think after this past couple weeks has basically uh, grabbed a hold of that number one spot. I think he's the number one heading into next year uh, ahead of Tyler Miller. He has been excellent to fantastic uh, with some really key saves. Uh, go ahead. No, Ted, Ted's talking on <laughs> Alex Bono a lot differently now in these, these days. He's earned it. Um, I, I will say, I will say it, it. it's not fair to him. It's not fair to Tyler Miller because the team has changed. Uh, the way the team is playing, the formation has changed. They are a lot, you know, we talked about in the beginning of the year, you know, why is Tyler Miller playing so far out of his box or why is he playing so high up? Because the team had no speed. They had no, basically it was like, we need to make this field sh- as short as possible to give us any chance of of generating any type of chances because we will not beat people in the speed. That's changed significantly. Uh, Eric Davis, not the fastest player in the world, but has a little bit of pace on him. Obviously, Ruan 
has pace for days. You have Gabriel Pirani, who's 22, who's got some quickness and speed. Um, and of course, then you have Teku de Pietro up top, um, either that or Ferrardo or, um, but yeah, yeah, we'll get, we'll get, sorry. It. That was just, that, that was an inadvertent noise. I, I, sorry about that. Fajardo, unless it's a sound for me, we'll get into him maybe in a little bit, but yeah. And obviously, um, uh, some other players that have some general speed out there. So the team as a whole. So I think we, we did see, you know, we have seen Bono venture from his box a little bit, but it hasn't been in the notion of like, it's a design play. It's more to, to cut off some sort of attack. Um, so I mean, honestly, he's the, I think the takeaway from this game, he, before the Atlanta goal, he was on 300 some minutes of, of a shutout. Overall, I think he has been uh, excellent to very good in my mind, you know, with obviously now Tyler Miller coming off surgery. So he's going to be, you know, shut down for uh, a while. I don't think he'll be back until next season. Uh, I think right now you got to look at Bono inheriting that number one spot. Um, and maybe the team makes a move for another keeper. We'll see what happens. But I think for right now, you, you got to look at him as the as the de facto number one. Um, I bet. I bet. And I bet coming into twenty four, if Rooney is still there, they're both in camp and it's an open competition. Oh, I bet. I bet it and will I've, be. But I mean, you, and I so I, I you, you got a one A one B here, particularly with the changing like you like you mentioned. A lot of this has to do with the tactics were 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 a function of the lack of speed. If that is remedied in the offseason, you these goalies can both play more conservatively or you know less less kamikaze like. And I think that you have a one A one B situation in that case. Tyler Miller, obviously, I think post All Star break, injuries and form and confidence all sort of took a big nosedive. So well, the one that happens. Well, the one thing I have to say is that here's the here's the little nugget from um, from Golf's thing. It says the the timetable for a full recovery stretches six months. So he is for his surgery for his surgery. Yes. Yeah. So that stretches into. Oh, you got a rotate. Uh, it sounds like you got a rotator cuff surgery. Yeah. Then. Rotator cuff surgery. So I know about that. Tyler Miller, <laughs> me and we do some band work. Me and do, doing the wall crawls. We could we could talk about this. We need to have him on the show. Now I'm interested in having an interview. There you go. You can give him, you can give him some of your some of your advice. That's right. Pointer. As a, as a, also as an athlete myself, we can talk about how this recovery process goes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so basically he he is out, which will stretch into next year. So I think coming into camp, yep. coming into next year, Alex Bono is number one. You know, they talk about, you know, you don't lose a place to injury. That's an absolute lie. You do lose a place. All time. You do lose a place <laughs> because of injury. If another player uh, comes in and performs, then, you know, that's what you get. So um, I'm not sure there's much else to really break down. Uh, I think Alex Bono would maybe the big story with the big save. DC generated a few chances, uh, you know. I guess you could call, I mean, probably you can call it uh, Benteke's hit a little bit of a cold streak again after breaking yep. out. It's back to kind of not really being able to to get chances. Uh, but I will say the team as a whole is generating better chances. So it's a little bit different um, of a situation, in my opinion. It was the return of Donovan Pines back mm-hmm. to back out from the cold. I, now, I will say. So I listened to, I'm trying to think if it was pregame for this weekend or postgame for the last game. I'm not sure. A Wayne Rooney interview about Donovan Pines. He was being asked multiple questions by, I think, Stephen, was it? It was Dave Johnson about Donovan Pines. And Dave was trying to get Wayne to compliment Donovan, like, really, really hard. And Wayne just wouldn't do it. Wayne was like... Yeah, physically he's very good. It's it's like it's the third coach to say this now. Physically he's fantastic, but he has he has many struggles with the tactical elements of the game and finer and finer and finer skills. And 
he has a lot of, he kept saying he has lots of room to improve. And if he does that, he'll be a good player. Not he'll be a great player. Not he'll be a lot. He'll just be a good player if he learns how to do these things. So that is the third coach now to look at Donovan Pines and say, in a in the in a certain circumstance, in a three back system, with other players around him that complement his skill sets, he is a very good player. In anything else, it does not work. Does he? That, that just does not. He is not the same player. So that is just something to look out for. If Wayne if Wayne returns, he is and and, and a four back system is in play. Donovan Pines is not your first choice center back unless things dra- drastically improve at a middle at a middle age for for a defender. Yeah, I mean, and there, there's talks about uh, contract talks involving him. Um, apparently, he is in, engaging to a new contract. He's in the fifth of his final deal, worth about two hundred thousand dollars, according to Stephen Golf. So it's interesting to see. I think I've seen tremendous improvement from him on the technical side. Uh, the physical side as well. I don't like people talk about all oh, his great physical gifts. I mean, that was, I'd say the biggest problem with him. Um, I don't want to say, I don't want to say, uh, you know, second, like he would have moments. He would be physically imposing, but he had a lot of moments where he looked like he wasn't and he would get bodied off the ball easily. And I think what's been part of his growth this year is that he's starting to throw his body around. Like, I, maybe it's been Wayne Rooney saying, look, you're a big guy. You're going to get some benefit of the doubt from referees. Throw your body around a little bit. You know, you might pick up a foul, you might lose a penalty, but you're going to win a lot more battles. And I think I saw that. I saw that in a moment. I, I I can't remember when it was. I think it was in the Atlanta game um, where I think it may have been the Charlotte game. I, I honestly can't remember one of the, it was one of the two games where, I mean, he got his arm up, he pulled a player back. He kind of, you know, he played physical, but also that player was also grabbing onto him or trying to do stuff. And a referee's never going to give you, if both players are grabbing, they're not going to give you that call. They'll, they'll call that maybe that initial shove, but he managed to pull himself in, get himself in front of the play and stop the ball and made a defensive play. And that's just something we would not have seen last year. I feel like from him. So, um, I, I we have we have both talked about his strengths mm-hmm. and his improving, but I think we also were seeing that in the three back system. We've not seen that in the four back. Well, really, I mean, he he has in the last two, two games. games. He's had two backs, and, and have, we haven't seen any major issues. I haven't noticed any major complaints. But the team, of course, has played well. Like maybe once they're yeah. under fire, let's see how that goes. Um, and we got a road stretch coming up. Um, yeah, we've had an opportunity. There have been there, there are injuries. Uh, Steve is a Burnbaum has has a. Again, also from the press press conference, has a hip problem, but he also said it was a nerve problem, mm-hmm. and it has been a and it has been an issue all year. But he should be good to go on. So that sounds like a chronic condition. But I think that if he is fit, I think he'll they'll put him back in. Yeah, Der- and, and Pines will go back. Derek Williams as well. Uh, similar calf situation. It's like he might be raring and ready to go for next week. That's a good sign because I like I've, I've liked Derek this year. This is now a little bit of old news, I think, but I I really recommend you go. Uh, listen to Pitch Pass with Brennan Heinz Ike interviewed, I think that was two weeks ago, before his return to Charlotte, talking about his Liss Frank injury. I didn't know it was a Liss Frank injury uh, before listening to this podcast, and that it was, he basically just came down full weight on his foot, and the Liss Frank snapped on his foot, and he was talking about returning back to Charlotte. But the reason you should listen to that show is because I have not heard a DC United player. So, to his credit, Roach asked him about. Uh, the booing at the at the end of games and the f bombs and all that stuff, and he and and to his credit, he just basically said it hasn't been good enough. It hasn't been good enough ever since I've been here. Uh, and he understand. And he took and now he did the classic European 
perspective playing about mm-hmm. like we need relegation because these these players don't understand pressure and they're complete they're not they can be complacent with a with a win a loss or a draw because the season's so long and there's no consequence and he was talking about how bad that was overall but he was a guy who took accountability for this team's performance and he took accountability for how expectations of excellence have slid so far from when this team was winning and it was refreshing to hear a DC United player engage with that fact and sort of speak to the fans idea of what this team used to be and should be uh, and what he thinks it, and you know what he thinks it could be and should be. And, you know, Steve, that's not Steve's Steve doesn't do that. Steve, Steve talks about what he talks about and it's not usually about taking accountability in that way to the fans. It was refreshing to me. So I check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always, I mean, pitch pass is always good, but really, really check that out. And it was also interesting hearing his mindset heading back to play in Charlotte where the injury happened. And I'm glad that he made it through. Although in the next game, he, he had what looked like a similar injury. He, he shook it off, but like he went, he jumped up for a ball and landed flat foot mm-hmm. on the same foot that he had. I was like, Oh my God, no, please. Yeah. <laughs> Got <laughs> no, jumped please. on too and showed a bloody sock. So yeah, it's not a, not a good day for yeah, him. As far as we know, he's okay. I know he's been put through a lot. I think we'll see him possibly to get the rest tomorrow, uh, but he's been good since coming back. I, I think he's another guy that I think maybe we were maybe ready to write off and, He's played well enough, I think, that I, I want to see him back next year. I don't think his contract is too bad. So um, nope. another player we definitely um, want to have back. He also has probably, I think, the most hilarious story of the whole night was apparently he had, uh, I guess, in his pre-college or his college days, he had played at Ocean City Nor'easters yes. and had gotten sent off in an Open Cup game. That was probably back in, I, who knows, 2010. It was 20. I think I, I looked it up when I, I wanted to see this. And then apparently when DC was preparing for the next Open Cup game, they found out through U.S. soccer that he couldn't play because of that red card he had sustained like 10 was years Was it Rory? Did they, say who, did they say who found it out? It's probably Rory. It's probably Rory. Probably. I don't know. Something with U.S. soccer. Maybe they went to submit the roster and like, no, 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 he can't play, by the way. So, I mean, that's that's just the type of wild stuff you see. In, in, in a- from the Obama from the Obama era, <laughs> you have a you have a suspension. Yeah. Uh, closing down on Charlotte, I think the the possession story tells a lot. It was 60 again, road game, 61 percent for Charlotte. Uh, they were even on shots. DC had a lot more shots on goal, I think. Benteke was a bit wasteful, and we'll and that'll we'll, that'll continue here into this in, the, in this next game. But Heinzeich uh, said basically beforehand, the game against San Jose was points lost, and they expected to get three, and they didn't. They were he, basically the way he says the way that they look at this is they look at the the schedule at the beginning of the season and plot out how many points they should get from each match based on their roster and the roster they're playing against, and Charlotte away they had penciled for no points so he said he basically said a point on the road there it gets us back for what we lost in san jose so they got that and it was it was what it was but uh i think it it made the next game all more all the more important to get three points from yeah and and, and we'll talk about that now <laughs> and they didn't but i mean again they're just i mean they're kind of just sitting right there um no one else seems to be making any moves they you know teams had fell apart we had we, we've seen you know Chicago fall off a cliff. Charlotte was up to nothing and looked like maybe that's the team that that puts on a run and, and sinks and they basically fell apart against Philly. So, I mean, it's been it's weird. This is a weird situation we're seeing with this with this team right now where they are still kind of in this hunt. Yes, Miami's chasing them, but Miami is now losing apparently Alba and Messi and they're going up. But yes, they beat they beat Toronto for nothing. But Toronto is a sunken ship that is 
they're just trying to get to the end of the year and they are going to do a very hard reset. Um, there's going to be players that are going to get dumped all over that roster and no one really cares anymore at that team. So no motivation in that team. I wish we could play them right now because I guarantee you we would probably, <laughs> probably beat them pretty badly. But um, so, someone said on Twitter, and I agree with this, basically like looking at all of these teams that are sort of circling around the last playoff spot and seeing how like just ineffective they are <laughs> and how like, it's like we have too many playoff spots. Like it is, it has become clear from a like quality depth perspective, when you have five teams like blindly slapping each other for the ninth spot and no one can score a goal, you should reduce the number of spots. None of these teams should be in the playoff. So one of them will, but yeah. none of them should be. Yeah. Hope it's us. Yeah, but I, I do hope it's us. And so let's get into the game. Uh, DC United, Atlanta. That's probably the main game we want to talk about um, yeah. in, in this effort. But it starts out rough. I, I feel really bad. I think I was about ready to credit Chris Durkin because I do feel he has played <laughs> exceptionally well. Um, I think in that in that spot, kind of making up and, and providing a more of a, a defensive shell uh, for the team. I think he's playing more close to his natural position. Yes, he's playing out in the right and left. I feel like that was a tactical shift by Rooney to just kind of mitigate um, any sort of wing any sort of wing play that uh, that. Atlanta was willing to provide. So you had both, uh, both Matthias click and Chris Durkin kind of shuttling out to the right and left side or kind of moving center to try to keep the numbers in the midfield, at least uh, to overload the numbers in the midfield and keep Atlanta. Uh, And it worked mostly. It didn't work in a moment uh, where Chris Durkin kind of goes back. And I think he's looking maybe to try to take the foul. Um, And Owen Wolf swings in, it's a debatable call, but it's certainly not one that's going to be overturned over VAR. It's, uh, I mean, he sort of gets the ball first, goes into his leg, takes him out, but it's, you know, for, it's a physical play, but for the most part, it's a pretty clean win. Uh, and right off the bat, yeah, we're thinking disaster as Atlanta scores, uh, was not a good. And I, I guess I had, I had shades of like of, of Philly. I was like, Oh my gosh, is this going to be like, Philly, where the team completely falls apart. And you mentioned the Brendan Hikes interview. And I said, you know, and, and to their credit, uh, they did not fall apart. They kept pressing. They got the control of the game. And I mean, other than I think there was one moment where um, um, where the Greek forward, whose name, name escapes me uh, for not Papadopoulos. Yeah, his like, name is his name is so Geokamakis. Gio, Gio yeah. I'm too tired. It's too late. Uh, we're recording this. Georgios. George. Yeah, we're, we're recording this at 10 p.m. And I just, I normally I can pronounce it. I just can't pronounce it right now. But a, a good opportunity, <laughs> a good opportunity for him. Uh, I think like second minute or so. And then that opportunity. And then for really the rest of the game, I mean, it was Lana kind of on the back foot and DC pressing. And this was a game where just DC could not effectively, um, you know, close the game out or to get a goal to try to pull themselves back. We'll talk a little bit about the offside, but I mean, give me some of your impressions, any, any sort of impressions you saw in this game, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think there, it was always going to be a bit of a tough task. I I thought uh, the team showed some elements. Again, the defensive performance was fantastic. Uh, Held Atlanta to six shots all game, four of them on goal, but held the six shots. The goal came out of came as a result of an error. They were disciplined and they held a pretty dangerous team to one goal. Um, there were issues individually, but there were also really strong performances. Uh, 
I want to talk about how oh, this is a quiz. This is a blind quiz. How many assists do you think Mateus Click has? If you if you don't know already, six or seven. Get a guess. He has nine. He almost has ten assists. This is a player. He uh, the, the 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 stats are not going to meet the eye test for a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. Some fans will. In this particular game, his assist to Pirani, and we'll talk about the goal, was very very nice and very visible and very like a like a nice play in. It was took patience. He could have done a lot of other things. He did the right thing. He had he created four chances. He had five crosses, which is the most in the team. He, when you watch him though, what you will what you will remember is him giving the ball away on his own end of the field, mm-hmm. or th- like he'll, he'll do one or two things. He's got like he's got like the Donovan Pines like laziness thing, or like a, like a mental laziness that results. But he's not doing it in front of the goal, so like it's not, the, the the consequences are not as severe. But then he'll also do that. Like he's going to have the most assists on this team as uh, playing his position, which is. Not really. I mean, he's moved around a lot. Now he's in more of an orchestrating role. But like, it's 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 an impressive uh, stat accumulation, if nothing else. Yeah, and it's just like I mean, I, I think there'll be a big question: is you know, do we want him back next year? I, I still say yes. I think you you have him back. I think if you give him a year in a role and you get a team that's settled, I think he'll he'll perform better. Um, and I think also, I think you're having a lot of adjustment with you know between Kanaus and and Durkin as to who's you know defensive cover. So it's been adjusting to this lineup. I think it's produced a more solid team defensively, and I think it's also produced a, a, a more cohesive attack. You're you're seeing you're seeing a team that looks like that looks dangerous going forward. You know, before it was just. I don't know how many times like early middle middle part of this year, it was just like watching, you know, wing players get forward and loft crosses into, uh, you know, into Benteke and trying to score goals. You're not seeing that this time you're seeing cohesive attack that is developing. And a lot of that I think is, you know, click moving back and he can be more of a facilitator in that role and he can give dish it to players like Pirani, like, um, you know, in good senses, Ted Cutie Pietro, uh, when he's out there, and also you know get the ball forward and and score goals. So the other stat, I'm trying to find it here and see seeing if they keep it here. I don't it doesn't look like they do. The MLS um, broadcast, the non Dave Johnson broadcast, was talking about the number of aerial duels won by Christian Benteke, and I think they said he has won more aerial duels than the rest of MLS, like the te- <laughs> like the teams. Like many of the teams in him, I guess maybe like net, like maybe I wonder if they do aerial duels, like it's like a plus minus situation. Like if you've won 15 and lost two, you've get a plus there. I don't know how they, I don't know how they calculate it, but the stat was basically like he is, uh, he breaks the stat for MLS. Like he, he destroys the concept of that statistic. He, and he continues to do that. I mean, it is, it is impressive to watch. It is an appealing, uh, I think it's like a trap. I think it's a tactical trap for DC United because they know that that will result in the ball being kept. Like they, it's, it's so appealing. It just, it's like the big shiny apple and they cannot help but grab it. And they're going to grab it over and over again. But the problem is uh, when you have players like Fajardo as, as a, as an additional target man, or you have players that are just incapable of finishing chances, it, it's a struggle, right? Like it, it goes nowhere. You do that, but then what? And that is what they need to figure out tactically. They had hoped originally at the beginning of this year. Great. All right. Benteke is going to score his goals. He's going to, he's going to get his double digit goals, but there's going to be taxi. Who's going to play off of him. He's going to trap the ball. He's going to play it in taxi. Taxi's going to shoot and score. It didn't happen. 
that he could not get comfortable with that with that style of play. And they don't. There's not Ted. Ted is Ted is something else. Mm-hmm. Ted is like a more of a facilitator and a creative player on the box. But he's not. He's a fin- he's not that second. Dis- he's a finisher. He's a, I, he's a finisher, but he's not a second forward. I don't think that's not really where he's comfortable. He's he's more comfortable with the ball. Yeah, uh, in around the box, ball at his feet. But I think he's he's showing some of the line passing. I think we saw that you know against in San Jose, and I think he's also he what 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 I think what I think Ted brings is an ability and, and what you see missing is his, his soccer IQ, I think is higher than a lot of people give him credit for and his ability to sort of be in the right spot and to know what spot to attack. And if the ball gets in that position, you know, and he's in front of goal, he's going to score a goal. I don't know what your face you just made right there. My, my, I was looking for the, 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 the stat on duels winning. I was looking for the league leader stats. Who do you think has the most offsides called against them in MLS? Uh, Benteke, I'm going to guess. He does, and it's by ten. He's got a ten. He is Leonard Pahoy levels of of I don't know what offside is. He's it's not great. I, I mean, I, uh, I feel like great. I feel like that's. I just feel like that's. It's a function of the style, but it's still funny. A function of his style and his big frame. It's just it's, and and, and we're and I think we're existing we're existing in a VRA, VAR world where, as we'll talk about earlier, where stuff is just like it's. It's getting to the point of so close and ridiculous. And, I, you know, I, I was it Dave Johnson harping on the radio about the rule change that's coming with with offside. I feel like I feel like I'm starting to see it with some of these calls and everything like that. Like, I think there needs to be there needs to be some sort of loosening um, of the rules. I, I, I have some better ideas than, I guess, the daylight rule. I don't like that most because I have to go call that rule on the on a field with parents who have a cursory understanding and um I, they changed the rule about what happens when the when the referee gets hit, and it took about two to three years before parents caught up to that rule. And they're still yelling at me and saying I'm still a part of the field and I should not blow the whistle. But you know, so I get nervous about rule changes like that. But from a professional perspective, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more for it. The only other DC United player on any of the league leaderboards in MLS is uh, Tyler Miller is leading the league in long passes. <laughs> With 280, the next closest is Roman Berkey with 199. So once again, a stat that tells you exactly what this team is doing. And this team is saying the goalkeeper is going to kick the ball long to Christian Benteke, who will probably be offsides. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, back to the game. I just thought those were two funny yeah, stats. Back to the game. And, and you know, I guess any other things like I, you know, I want to call out, you know, we talk about Ferrardo. He, he blew so many chances in this game. I mean, he's not mm-hmm. the answer. I think mm-hmm. I think I think you're looking at Weirney just trying to shuffle some guys in. You know, he's got um He knows Nigel's not the answer either. So he's trying to he is he's just flipping he's flipping pins out and saying, All right, Fajardo, you give it a try. All right, Nigel, you yeah. give it a try. I, I think Ferrardo's still gonna get maybe a little bit of a look. I think we're gonna see Ted. I hope I hope we see Ted. I'm a little nervous. If Ted does not start if Ted does not start against uh, the Red Bulls on Saturday, if the game even happens on Saturday, um I will start to get worried that there is some there is some niggling injury that they are that redeveloped. They said, well, we're going to lock you down. It's redeveloping and they might be looking at if this team ever gets eliminated from the playoffs before the year, I can see a shutdown shutdown and possibly surgery potentially coming up on whatever he's dealing with because ankle, I think, is the the latest. They they were trying to get uh, Steve was trying to get uh, Wayne pinned down about if he's able to be if he's able to start uh, if Ted is. And you could tell that he did not want to say that because he probably can't be. He probably can't start, but they also would like to, you know, have that threat out there for other teams like it. But it, 
the way he answered definitely to me sounded like no. We, he is he is gutting it out to be able, to be thirty minutes available for these games. That's really sad. I don't know what to I don't know what to make of that because you know he had a couple starts. He had a got shut down for a month. I I have to wonder if there is some niggling injury that they're they're looking at. I a, think so. They're looking at a specialist, and I will not be surprised. Let's just say I, I don't know. I get no. I would not be surprised if eventually they're just like, all right, we're going to go have surgery to try to correct this issue permanently. And you're going to yeah. miss a couple of months, but you're hopefully going to come back and, and be good. Uh, another player I think we, I think deserves a call out is, is Eric Davis, who I thought again was excellent. Uh, yep. he's, he's the one, he's the one player we, we didn't expect much and we're getting more out of him. I'm, I am fully confident to have him back. I think we've got Mohammed, uh, jazz next year. I think it's going to be a battle between him and Davis as to who can be the starter. And if whoever wins that job will probably then the person who doesn't win the job will probably be gone um, by the next. Summer. I think Eric. I think Eric Davis is not having a number of suitors beating his down, beating his door down. Whereas Jazzy it does. I think that if that, if, I think that's a great one too. In whatever combination we get, and I think they both stay. I think it's lucky. We we threw a lot of spaghetti at the wall in this transfer window, and this is the only piece that's sticking. Um, so, no. well, per, well, Pirani will be is another player that we'll yeah, talk about. Yeah, and, and Pirani's a different category of player, certainly. Correct. But, he is staying. He is uh, he is a he is a loan that they better uh, they better convert. Oh yeah, I, I I like what I see a lot, and, and I think and I think they will, and I and I'll get into that a little bit about you know I think there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of skepticism about, and you've had it too on DC mm-hmm. converting on loans. I, I will I will provide maybe a little bit of background once we talk about him. Another player I do want to mention because it was brought up, I believe uh, MLS MLS gone wild on the Twitter cut said, "Who's your like most unsung player?" Most unsung player is Russell Knaus, and he is. I feel like we don't talk about him enough. We maybe talk about him in certain stretches. Just want to call out like his consistency this year. I has he played every single? I know he hasn't played every single game. I'm sure he's missed a couple, but he's not. But uh, it's that it's the most. It's the it's it should it will be at the end of the year his most prolific season with yes 24 games so 24 games played so he's he's missed some he's missed some moments but um just feel like he's always out there and and i think he's a player i am hopeful we can still get a couple more good years out of him um because i think he's a player who and in his natural role i hope we don't get a coach that comes in and says oh you could be a right back you've done it before go out and do it yeah i and i think too uh, he missed some time this year for 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 personal reasons, for mm-hmm. tragedy, personal tragedy, not for injury. So yeah. this is like this is like his whatever he did in the off season to get his body right for this year, he should do again. Question for you: Who do you uh, who do you want to see start uh, next week? Do you want to see Ferrari or do you want to see Dahomey? Which one? Uh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't. It does not matter to me. They're 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 both a black hole. So I, I would say probably Dahomey. Because he is less uh, selfish, mm-hmm. uh, so there were a number of times where Benteke was aligned for the ball and Fajardo cut in front of him, and that's fine because that's what forwards do. Uh, but and then he would sky the ball over the crossbar or whatever else, and Dahomey gets out of the way. So I'll so there. I'll do that. <laughs> I think that's more of a facilitator, and I think also you're dealing with a lot of players. You're dealing with Ferrardo. You're dealing with Dahomey. You're dealing with Assad. You're, and I'm getting into this a little bit. Roberta. Anytime those guys are out there on the field. They know that they are facing, you know, potentially not being on the team next year, and they are desperately trying to force their way into the roster. I'll get into a little bit. I, 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 Rooney went kitchen sink there towards the end, just throwing like whatever attackers he had out there that he could uh, muster to to get the sub, and I think it was to the detriment of um of a lot of else that was that was kind of going on there, and I think it it, it pulled away Tekudu Pietro a little bit. But let's talk about the goal scorer. Let's talk about Gabriel Pirani. 
I think a player I was maybe starting to think I was like, man, you know, he looks good. Didn't do much. I didn't really see much out of him um, in, in Charlotte. Again, that game's on turf. We assume maybe he's played some games on turf in his youth days, but that can be a difficult thing to adjust to when you've played professionally for, for several years and you've never really touched a turf field. Uh, it can be a little difficult to then jump right in and try to play on try to play on turf. So I wrote him off a little bit. Beginning of the game, I was like, you know, he's really invisible. He's not getting involved. He's not getting much, you know, much going forward. Second half, that changed very quickly, and he started getting on the ball. He started getting on the dribble. He showed some passing ability, um, which I think has been maybe the biggest biggest concern, the biggest question mark. Uh, and But he showed an ability to pass and move the ball uh, to sort of maybe develop that part of his game a little bit. Um, and we've seen him, you know, seeing him develop that, I think, uh, really gave me some hope that he is that that you know he can continue to grow and continue to develop. Um, I think the team it should be a no brainer at the end of this year. Sign him on the loan. Um, he takes up at the very least he will take up a U twenty two initiative spot. Um, if his salary is above that, he takes up a young DP, and you still have the U twenty two initiative spot. People apprehensive about you know Yamil Assad. Um, oh, can't why can't I think of the Luis Rodriguez? Those were not issues of the team having money. Those were issues in trying to abide by the MLS rules and keep keep DP slots open, trying not to pay too much to run into the cap situation. It's, it was never an issue, I felt, in my mind, that the team didn't have the money. It was that they were trying to navigate their cap situation while still paying what the team wanted, but trying to break it up or navigate a cap situation. And let's not give them credit because they have royally hosed their cap situation and in a number of other ways. <laughs> so, yeah, so they may have been trying to do the right thing and they continually stub their toe on the door of, of bad decisions. So there's that. This is, I mean, this is a no brainer sign them, pay them, pay the fee. The fee doesn't matter as far as the cap situation is. If he's a U 22, either as a young DP or as a, uh, as a U 22 initiative player, I don't think his salary will rise above the what is it six hundred fifty thousand, however much it is. I hope not yeah. from a from a just a roster construction perspective. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if, even then, he doesn't cost much against the roster, against the, yep. against the salary. But you got to go out and do it, and then now it does lock you in. You've got Durkin now on a on a young uh, on a young was a young money player. I think he can remain on that for the length of his contract. Uh, you didn't have Pirani, so now you're that does also tend to limit your do what dp you can sign you can't go out and sign a designated player um that is i think like above 25 or something like that but we could be seeing you know some new rules coming this summer who knows after the offseason i should say who knows who knows coming up but i definitely i think we're all on team sign gaber prani any sort of uh analysis or thoughts you want to give on him anything you saw no, he's great i like him i think that he's uh he's he's not you know, my heart's number 10. My heart's number 10 is in Cincinnati, but he is certainly a the best replacement we've gotten since then. So I'm, I'm, I hope that they can sign him. A lot of similarities, I think. I don't want to say a lot of similarities, but just a, some similarities. Some similarities between him and Lucho when Lucho first arrived, which was mm-hmm. not the complete picture, but you could see it developing and you could see it. I think he's getting more comfortable. Um, I'm kind of maybe highlighting him this game coming up against New York. Uh, as a potential breakout game. This is not a good New York team. He's got a goal now. He's got some confidence. Uh, you know, if if Teku to Pietro is out there for a certain point, I, I think it could be it could be it could be good. Um Ted did come off the bench. I don't think he he had one sort of run 
And I think I, I, I almost want to be a little critical of Wayne because Wayne was very much in a kitchen sink mentality. He was throwing on Assad. He was throwing on, um, I'm trying to remember some of the players. He threw on Dahomey. Uh, he threw Hurtado. Hurtado. He threw on a bunch of players, was just like, we need a goal. We need to go get a goal. And I think that was almost to the detriment of right now, in my opinion, your best one of your best young players, which is Teku to Pietro, because I think it forced Ted to, it, Ted's going to be maybe a little bit more of a team player than some of these other attackers. These attackers are trying to score goals. They are trying to earn a contract for next year. So they're going to be a little bit more push forward. And I think Ted had kind of sort of had to drop back. So I, maybe there was some, some, some tactical involvement there, but it just felt to me like as soon as all those attacking players came on, Ted's effectiveness really was kind of muted and didn't really develop much. Um, obviously we have the penalty call, maybe penalty, Bateke nails a penalty and Pirani scores and we got a two, one victory and we're singing in a completely different tune. Um, the offside call was close. I think there was a lot of confusion in the stands. There was call confirmed that was shown for the handling call. And then they went to the monitor again to look at the offside. Again, it's an incredibly close call. He looks like it looks like Pine Heinzike is maybe just a hair offside. I will also say I think the camera angle can do some nutty things. We saw it with the uh, in the week before with Atlanta and um, and Miami where the ball sort of trickled over the line. And I think there was a Miami broadcaster that was showing a picture from behind the goal. I mean, like, how did they say this crossed the line? And then the soccer photographer, I was like, look, it's by my math and looking at my estimation and accounting from where you are and the everything else. Yeah. It probably just crossed the line. So um, yeah. Visual place tricks on you. That was a really close call. I can understand the frustration in the stands for me. It wasn't, I guess, so frustrating. Only thing I was mad about was that the referee called time before eight minutes. And I don't know. I, the name was not familiar. I don't know if that was a new referee. I don't know if he was like, look, I got through this game. I didn't make any major mistakes. This game is close. But to me, it's it's it stinks of a little lack of record, in my opinion, lack of recognition of the game. I think there deserved to be at least another additional minute onto that at a time. This is a game for the playoffs. You have one team trying to fight, trying to go to get a win. I think recognizing the situation would have been would have been warranted here to give a little bit of an additional time and to not go out and uh, to not go out and uh, and call the game early. That was my only really gripe with, I think, the officiating. I know that maybe there's some other people that have that have some more gripes, but um, yeah. Anything else from this game? Anything else you want to bring up? Or I don't think so. I think that that was a game we would have liked to win. Each game continues to be more and more of a must win. But like to your point, if no one else wants to win, if everyone wants to just draw and lose the way out, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we don't have to win any of these games. I don't know. Th- this game coming up. This game coming up, I think it's time. It's you got to put points on the table. I've been happy with the way the team has been playing. I think they finally look like they have something cohesive. If they, had, if this lineup had been in place beginning of the year, I think we would have sailed in the playoffs, no questions, with how everybody else has been looking. It's not the case. We're playing with very, very fine margins here as we try to, uh, as we try to try to move move into a playoff spot. Um, but this is a this is a moment I think you have to you have to take. Uh, let me go through some things. So DC plays at home against New York. Funny enough, this is this is an opportunity. I, like if you wanna if you wanna instill maybe the rivalry a little bit back, we got Hurricane Force wins that are coming in. Remember the last time that happened to the uh, to a DC uh, on the <laughs> eve of a DC New York game. Obviously, hugely tragic situation in New York. Not comparing the two at all. 
Um, but, you know, we're looking at this game. This is probably the most consequential game between D.C. and New York. Uh, both these teams are fighting for the playoffs. We haven't had a game like this in a long time between these two clubs. Uh, either these clubs, one club, most of the time D.C. was really bad or New York was really bad. It's been kind of one of the two. Um, so this I'm looking out for this game as this could be a decider for the playoffs. If D.C. win this game, they could absolutely bury any chance New York has at making the playoffs right now. Um, the other teams that that uh, the other teams that uh, where some of the other opponents are facing Atlanta home against Montreal, uh, Cincinnati home against Charlotte, NYCFC of course has Toronto um, in Red Bull Arena, so they will be playing not be playing at Yankee Stadium, and Chicago at home for New England. But I mean, this is a moment, and then obviously Orlando the next day Sunday Orlando versus Miami at Explorer Stadium. So all your teams, all your all your teams that you're trying to compete with a playoff spot have extremely tough road games coming up with the exception of New York and Chicago, Chicago. I'm less worried about because Chicago just got absolutely run off the field. Um, NYCFC, we play them. So I'm like, okay, if they win against Toronto, which is expected and they move ahead of us, we still have an opportunity on the last day to basically catch them. Um, but this is a opportunity, and they're also even with us on games, so less concerned about them, more concerned about the teams that have played fewer games than us. Uh, but this is a this is a game that you come out and get three points, and if the results go as we would expect, um, either I, I don't think any of these teams, particularly Montreal or uh, Charlotte, have any hope of winning. They're probably hoping they can at least pull out a point. This is a chance to get some separation, to put the pressure on them for their games in hand where they have to come out and win those. Um, and also maybe put pull yourself into the playoff spot. So uh, this game, if, if DC does not win this game, I think playoffs start to become a very much a long shot. Um, and I know we've said that a lot, but I think this is the moment you have to put three points on the table. You've got two tough road games. Uh, Vancouver's tough. Uh, Austin has not been that great, but it's still on the road, and it's a it's a road swing that's going to be very difficult. Um, so so yeah. Score prediction. What do you got for the game? I, <laughs> uh, I I would say zero zero if this game gets off in the rain. I think offense is going to be very challenging in the the soup that will ensue. Also, this <laughs> it's either going to be zero zero or four four. Do you, and that is my that is my prediction. Do you think they play the game on Saturday? Yep. You think they do? I do. I think they'll I think they'll do everything in their power to get it to get it off. We'll see. I think it's going to depend on what the storm's like. If it's if it pushes quickly and it lightens up, I think if you've got forty mile per hour gale force winds, I don't see how you can play a. There's going to be like seven people at the game either way. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm going to. And that's I, counting. That's counting families. I'm going positive. I'm going two nothing DC. I've got Benteke and Ted Gutierrez with the goals off the bench. I think DC nags a goal. Nap nags, gets a goal early, and I know they haven't done that much this year, but. I think they do it, and then I think they kind of hold on, and then uh, New York pushes, and then Ted comes in for like thirty minutes, and then sneaks a goal to kind of bury it. So, um, all right, so yeah, should be fun. Uh, I if, hope that happens. If we're going to the game, uh, John will apparently not be watching. I'm sure he will nope. watch the replay when it happens. Sometime <laughs> when it happens, uh, we, we appreciate y'all's patience. Uh, we are going to we will be back on Monday for hopefully a live show, um, and we'll be talking hopefully about a win. <laughs> hopefully. Um, oh, right, John, you're out. Are you? You're out, aren't you? 
I'll be back late Monday evening, so we'll see. We'll see. It depends okay. how depends how good the vacation was. We, we will do a live show for you guys. We will do a live show for you guys. I might even be planning something yep. fun. Maybe uh maybe a watch Ooh. along. Maybe a watch along for the uh for the road game in Vancouver. I think that could be a DCU after dark. Could be fun. Oh boy, that sounds fun. Details coming. Anyway, thanks you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. Vamos. Vamos. <laughs>